Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This, to me, is like the really fascinating material. We don't know what the answer is, but we're looking for patterns. I think we're looking at kind of a type of cosmic alchemy. The story slowly grew Still, a lot of people don't know that this technology actually exists. The possibilities here are pretty mind-blowing. Wow. <laughs> and hello, everybody. So we'll do this again. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> I was going to say, I was saying that if anyone does not know the guests that we have on tonight, then you obviously have not been listening to Conspiranormal or Strange Familiars or any interview featuring Joshua Cutchin or Timothy Renner. Because we have on the great Soraya Askath from Where Do the Road Go? Great. Okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you'll, you'll take it, right? You'll take it. Uh, right? Sure. <laughs> take the greatness. <laughs> and it's it's kind of cool to have you on now because I just realized that you're coming up on your, what is it, sixth anniversary? It is. The 26th of January was my first show in 26, uh, 2013. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, we started in March of 2012. Hmm. Yeah, I knew they were roughly. So you're you're you've been doing it a year longer than I have. Yeah, roughly. roughly. And mine was all ancient mystery stuff for the most part when I started. I only had a few like uh, UFO type things going on for a while. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. See, I have I like, listened to I like a lot of those stuff. older shows. I, I I think I picked you up in like 2015. Was mm. when I really started listening to to Where Did the Road Go? And because the first episode I ever listened to, I think I've told you this, was one of the episodes with you and Mike Cleland and Aaron Gullius. I think it was the eighties episode. Yeah, which we're doing the next installment of that the week after uh first week in February. Yeah. What are you gonna talk about? I mean, you just talk about like current stuff? <laughs> Yeah, whatever's whatever has happened this year, which doesn't seem like a lot, so I yeah. don't know. We'll see. How uh, how many episodes did that run? How how that whole I don't UFO know. history thing? You lost 70, count? 71. <laughs> I don't know. At some point, I'm gonna. People on YouTube have requested I put them all together. Yeah. So I'm gonna try and do that before uh, before I have them on again. Okay. So that, you know, they, people, if they want, they can go listen to the entire series with the two of them, which is going to be like eight hours long or something. Yeah, this was back in like IPBN was around. You remember that? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Scotty Roberts and Rocky Stucci's network that no longer yep. exists. And I was listening to it to see where our show was. And 
you, uh, I start hearing these three guys talking about like Bud Hopkins and Whitley Strieber and non ETH theory of UFOs. And I'm like, wow, this is like totally right up my alley. And I started checking out the show and I don't, I guess I contacted you to come on the show or I don't, or maybe I, I don't just, remember. Maybe I don't remember either. Maybe I just said, Hey, I really love the show or something like that. And since then, I've gone up to Ithaca to hang out with you and all kinds yes. of stuff. So, which will hopefully happen again at some point. Yeah, I hope so too. We got to get you down here to Nashville. Mm, we'll <laughs> see. <laughs> well, there is an event in Atlanta coming up that uh, everybody's trying to get you to come to. Yeah, it's so. not going to happen. Oh no! Come on, sir. I don't say that. We we do have, wear I, shoes down here. <laughs> you don't have to if you don't want at, to. That's totally at, at a lie. this point. At this point, I'm still repairing flood damage from last August, so right. I, I really don't have any money to spare. Yeah, what what uh, what happened there? Like what? You had like well, some weird freak flood that happened. To say the least, we had a storm do something storms don't do, and it dumped quite a few feet of rain on us in like two hours. Which doesn't really happen in your area very much. No. No, it's never happened. Um, this storm came straight north. Normally, they either follow the coast or they come in from the uh, from the west or southwest or northwest, something like that. Um, but this one came straight north, right across us, stopped on Lake Ontario, spun for a bit, came back south, which storms simply don't do, stopped pretty much directly over my house, and dumped hours worth of rain on us at, at the heaviest rain I've ever seen in my life until it finally dissipated and went west, which, again, storms don't do. It's, a, it's that harp weather control modification, we- man. Yeah, it must man. be. <laughs> the, 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 the chemtrails. <laughs> but I, I had almost waist-high water, and we're at the top of a hill. Jeez. And it, it took out my basement, it took out uh, my store, it damaged my car, I didn't have a driveway for over a month or two. Oh my god. And you just, uh, like what, a couple of weeks ago got your heat back? Yeah, a couple. Uh, probably about a little over a month ago now. Because that was all red tape. I had to get the I had to get help to do it through the government, which was yeah. fine. But it's all red tape, you know. Mm. And it's like, okay, you're approved. Now go to here. Yeah, okay, great. You know. And it's like, all right, we're going to send somebody out. They do that, and then that person doesn't report back to the people they need to report back to. And it just it lingers, you know. And it took took weeks and weeks and weeks before someone finally came out and fixed the furnace. Is this like some kind of program they have, like where the they don't want people to go without heat during the winter? Is that what it is? Yeah, or? well, it's uh, no, normally you you can get something like heat to help out if you don't have enough money. Yeah. Uh, but because my mom also died right after the flooding, yeah, uh, I I had just inherited the house, and heat won't help you fix stuff like that until you've owned the house for a year. Oh, oh man! But so I had to go through. I still had to apply to heat so they could deny it, and then I could take a denial over to what they call weatherization. Um, which helps you, you know, fix up your house. It, it, it's a one-time thing where they help fix up the house, you know, seal it up so it, it retains heat and stuff better. Uh, but we already had it done, so they're like, "Oh, you already had this done, but it was a natural disaster. Maybe we can get this for you." And they did. It just took some time. And I want to say too, like the whole community, like where did the road go? Community kind of really came through for you. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I was shocked and happy. <laughs> 
because it saved my life. It really did. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still kind of, do you feel like you kind of recover from all that now or just like, I'm still still, fixing things. My my ignition on my car just went and we didn't know why. And then we realized the, the, the connections were low enough that they got wet in the flood and they finally just corroded. Man. It's like a cascading effect. Yeah. 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 It's just stuff, you know, constantly finding more stuff. And I mean, we still don't have a water softener. Uh Uh, It took me months to get the E. coli out of the well, which Uh, was fun. Yeah. I remember you talking about that. Yeah. And I got to test it again. The last time it tested clean, but I'm going to wait a few months and test it again and make sure. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, but he doesn't know, like, Sarai, like, literally lives in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> On it, top of a hill. But I'm not far from anything. That's the other thing. Like, it's exactly how I like it. Yeah, yeah. Because you like what? It's like only 30 minutes from Ithaca or something like yeah. that? Yeah. So you got and the, the two closest towns are five minutes away. Yeah. 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 So I want to talk a little bit about uh, the last guest you had which was Eric Wargo. Yes. Um, that was an interesting show. And I also heard his show on Radio, Radio Mysterioso as well. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to get your thoughts about that. Like he has a book out about like time loops. Mm-hmm. It's funny because uh, I have Jim Elvich coming on for the anniversary show because he was the first guest I ever had. Um, and he deals with a lot of the same stuff in a completely different manner. And that was totally unintentional, Hmm. but it'll be a nice contrast to Eric's ideas to have Jim's ideas up there. Um, my thoughts on it are that he's definitely on to something. I don't buy the static universe idea though. Um, you know, his, his comment where he says, you know, well, you know, it's not pro- if if you have like a prophetic dream and it comes true, it's because that's was always going to happen. That information can't come backwards unless it's going to happen. But my argument is, we may get information that comes backwards and then we change things so it doesn't happen, and we wouldn't call it a prophetic dream anymore. Yeah, kind of like taking free will kind of out of the equation. Right, right. So his view is that everything has already happened and is already set. Which, I mean, it's impossible to tell one way or another. Uh, but my sense of things personally is that that's not the case, that there, there are multiple possibilities going forwards and you can totally screw things up if you want. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting theory. I mean, I, I had a little bit of trouble just kind of like getting my mind around it. Maybe I kind of need to go and read the book. It's, it's a dense book. It really is. It's like uh, about 350 pages and it's not an easy read. It's not. It's not because he's a bad writer. It's just because he packs so much stuff into it. Right, right. Is it easy without having kind of a a, a basic background in, in physics? Yes, yeah. And it was harder for me, too, because I, over the last few months, I've gotten so stressed that concentration, my concentration isn't what it was. Mm-hmm. So I have a, you know, whereas before I could sit down and read for hours on end without a problem. Now I can read for a little bit and then my mind starts wandering to, you know, I still need to do this. Oh, I still need to do this. And I'm like, I'm not paying attention to what I'm reading anymore. You know? Right. Yeah. So, but it's getting better. I mean, I got through his book. I got through Jim's book and, uh. I got another dense, thick one to get through now. A couple dense, thick ones, actually, I got to get to finally. 
Yeah, you're just like me in that you like to read the books that uh, yeah. the people, the, the people, the guests that you have on. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, I mean, it's a, it's a, his theory is interesting. I, I, I have no problem with the idea of, t- of things moving backwards in time. Right. Um, right. I think there's enough scientific evidence that that happens um, to, to say that's, that's definitely part of the equation. I just have a problem with the idea of it, it, it being static. Like there's no choice. There's no free will. Everything's already set. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter to us, you know, because we don't know one way or the other, mm-hmm. but I, my, my gut tells me that's not the case. Well, what about things like parallel universes and such? You know, true, like that, true. Probably that kind of takes that whole. Uh, I mean, I, as I kind of understand quantum physics, which is kind of limited. Rob, you might be able to help me out with here a little bit because you understand some of this. Yeah, the the premise—it's about, I guess, retro causality. Yeah, right. This idea that these that that the future happens first in this the beginning and the end of the universe have this relationship of a, like a back and forth. Well, yeah, it, it's that they're, they're it's just how we're going through it. The future's already happened. Well, it's kind of like if um if you take time as a fourth dimension and you were viewing the whole thing, it would be static. You know, you right. It would just be this object where everything had already happened, and you can kind of see the the timeline leaned out or whatever, but mm-hmm. I don't know that it works either direction. I, I, I don't know. I, maybe I agree with him. I have a very kind of deterministic viewpoint where I think that we make choices, but if you were to hit a rewind button, we would make the same choice kind of over and over again, you know, without, without injecting any new information or new ideas into it, you know? Right. Right. So and we would make it, I think we'd make a different choice if like if you could go back 20 years to who you were 20 years ago but keep the knowledge you have now. Right. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. might make different choices, but if you're put in that same position again and again, you probably will make the same choice. Right. So so I think maybe it could just be a static thing. But I don't think that it works in one direction or the other. I think we're perceiving it in one direction. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if it's so much static. I think it's it's dynamic, but it has a, a path. You know, I think you you can, you you are sort of responsible for those choices you make, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, but it may still take you to the same place eventually. It just may take you on a different path there. I mean, it's kind of uncomfortable thinking about um, if it is some kind of if it is static and deterministic. I mean, that's a. Uh... You know, like Adam was saying, it kind of messes up our whole view of free will, and <laughs> I don't want to believe that. Definitely, uh, you know, I can't, I don't, I, right. I don't think I can live my life like that. But and more, and like what you were saying, morally and ethically, I don't think it excuses people for anything. Right, right. I, I look at it. Here's my model. My model is we're living a wrestling match. Um, <laughs> before the match, we set our beginning and end and all the spots we're going to do on the way. And then we act it out. But, you know, we we're, we're, we're really have to get into it while we're doing it. And sometimes things go wrong. And sometimes we ad lib along the way. But we still kind of hit all those spots and get to the end. Choose your own adventure. <laughs> kind of, Yeah. But you're, but you're still going for, for those very specific moments in your life. And those are probably the ones we get the prophetic dreams about, pu- pulling us toward those things. Mm-hmm. 
I do, I do kind of feel like there's a idea of crossroads of, uh, you know, these alternate possibilities. And I think, you know, most people probably experience that kind of feeling. <clears throat> so is the idea that prophetic dreams are the future reaching back to yes, yes, kind of correct among pathways other, and stuff yeah, among well, other it, phenomenon. In 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 Eric's work, he believes that these are just information traveling backwards to us, usually either traumatic information like an accident or something like that, um, or so, something that really stands that would stand out in your past memory also stands out in your future memory. And because things can move backwards, you're picking those things up before they happen. But his belief is you can't do anything about it. Gotcha. Yeah, you can't. Ultimately, you can't change it. Yeah, I, I tend to believe that prophecies are more of a self fulfilling thing. And, and he gives a few few uh, examples of that, of people like this woman who uh, dreamed that her, her son was in the back of a car and there was smoke and it looked like he had been in an accident, you know, young child. And she called the nanny that was watching him and taking him to the zoo or whatever and told her to come right back. So she came back and then the kid was all upset because he didn't go to the zoo. So the next day she took him to the zoo and she got into an accident and it was exactly what she she had dreamed. The kid was okay. It was the smoke filling the air was from the airbags going off. But she literally, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy had she not called him back because she had the dream, that never would have happened. Or would it have happened... <laughs> In a different way. That, well, See, I think it's maybe more. Could it have happened to the nanny that day? I think it's more like it was inevitable. I think it's more a power of belief thing than the future reaching back thing. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, if yeah. you really, if someone tells you someone that you believe and you believe them wholeheartedly says something horrible is going to happen to you, and you believe it that thoroughly and that intensely, that I think that might be more of a causation than. Uh, something from the future reaching back to to cause these things. You know, I think it depends on how accurate it is. Yeah. Um, trying to think what the other example he was giving was. Um, oh, one of the things he said that I found really interesting. He said most of the time when we get future flashes, it's like you know, like people are giving information that they would have seen later in, say, a newspaper. And he's like, they're not seeing the events. They're seeing their learning of the events, whether it be television, newspaper, or whatever. And I thought, huh, that actually makes a lot of sense. You know, they're not visually seeing this, like remote viewing this horrible event happening. They're retro realizing they're, they're going to see this in the future and it's coming back to them. Yeah, but even then, though, there has to be some kind of effect from the event, at least an event that causes some kind well, sure. of it's 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 usually emotion. disasters yeah. yeah like some kind of emotion psychically almost in, in that well i guess he's saying that it's really not psychic but right but it's it, the event is causing it like one of the models that i've found interesting is you know the the dropping a stone or dropping a rock into a body of water and now you have the waves radiate from that Mm-hmm. And you've got, you know, left to right, up and down. So, you know, is the event, like, I've always wondered, like, these big events that they cause this kind of ripple effect. And then what could be the mechanism for that ripple effect? Maybe that's everybody's kind of psychic um, energy going into the a horrible event, like something like 
Which is it why it doesn't happen for mundane things like, yeah. oh, I knew I was going to make this toast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, what's interesting about that, what Sir Phil just said, is that I have had dreams about mundane things that that will later happen to me. But are they, like, what, are they unusual or are yeah. they things that always happen to you? Well, that's the thing. It's like, well, I mean, there's been dreams like I'm sitting with a certain group of people and then I'm sitting with that certain group of people. You know, we do this every week, Adam. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the things that have just, yeah, it, it's possibility that it's just like your, your conscious, maybe your conscious does, your subconscious does manifest these things eventually. I don't know. Sometimes. I mean, when I have prophetic dreams, I usually have, I, I've learned to isolate out the information from the dream Im- imagery. So I know to watch for the information to appear. Yeah. Um, the one example, I don't know if I gave it on the air in the Patreon segment for, with Eric. Um, I, or maybe I didn't even talk about it. I don't remember now, but I was, uh, I had had this, this dream that I had gone to this club maxes and, I don't remember what I was seeing at the time, but one of the things that, that was informational in the dream was I walked onto the porch and the DJ who used to do what is now the last exit for the lost that was called something different at the time was there. Now this is before I was doing that. And uh, he looks over at me and goes, I can't believe carcass are going to play here. Oh, yeah. And I said, Nope, it's, it's entombed. And he went, what? Oh, it is entombed. Why did I think it was carcass? And so I wrote that down and then I had gone to a show there and he was there and I walked out onto the porch and he turns and looked because they had just announced that Entombed were coming up. And he looks at me and goes, I can't believe Carcass are playing here. Oh, and I just started laughing. And he looks at me and I'm like, it's Entombed. He's like, oh, it is Entombed. Why did I think it was Carcass? And I went, because you were supposed to. That, that's really specific, man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's hard for me to throw that out as like random, you know, Oh, this is just something that's going to happen eventually. It, it was a very specific piece of information. Do you put any intention to actively receive information like that in dreams, or is it just happening? No, okay. it just happens. I never. I'll get wake up. I'll wake up things. and go. Yeah. Huh? What was that? I never get any specific things that are that are, uh, you know, predictive like that. It's always just symbolic for the most part mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's a lot of people for yeah. some reason my brain at some point started giving me specific information that's cool but i also wonder if it's something else giving me the information yeah yeah there you go like you're you in know it's inc- with something yeah i mean because i've had a lot of things taught to me in dreams okay so it feels like i'm interacting with something and oh, it could wow. be my higher self it could be another entity. I don't know for sure. And I don't know that there's a huge difference. Maybe it's a death metal fan too. Yeah. <laughs> I've only, I've only had a handful of prophetic dreams and they all, um, correlate with, uh, either, um, a recently deceased friend or relative or a soon to be recently deceased relative. Mm. I don't know how, how to phrase that properly. Someone who's going to be deceased. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But 99% of my dreams are just pure insanity. (laughs) That's not a bad thing. No. (laughs) I had, uh, yeah, I I never get that. I usually get information about somebody I'm going to meet that's going to be important in some way. That's 99% of my prophetic dreams. 
Right. And see, there's the thing though. Like how could that, that, that has to be, that can't be from a static universe. Cause how do you know you're going to meet that person? How would you know a complete stranger? Well, if it was a static universe, then it's on your path and there's no way to avoid it. But I would say that, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those spots in the wrestling match that we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, wrestling no, is fake, here, right? <laughs> well, that's why I'm saying <laughs> How dare you. It's, it, it's, it's relayed out into spots yeah, and a predetermined yeah. finish. So, you know, this, okay, this, this dream is telling me about the spot that we're going to do here where I knock the guy out of the ring and right. throw him into the guardrail. <laughs> gotcha. Wow. That's, that's a cool way of looking at it. You know, but a lot of the stuff in between is ad libbed. You just have to make your way back to those certain spots that you want to hit during the match. Or in this case, certain elements that you want to have connect during your life. So let's turn to, I had some, wanted to to pick your brain about doppelgangers. Hmm. I know this is something that you guys have been talking about on the show. I think you talked with uh, Ren and uh, Tim about some of this. Yeah. Cheryl and I think, too. yeah, Cheryl Lee at one point. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've had one doppelganger experience where I, I had not shown up to school yet. And the people, and I had shown up late. And when I went to get a pass, they were like, you were walking back and forth in this hallway for the last hour. <laughs> And I certainly was not, nor did I look like anyone else in the school. Uh-huh. So they reluctantly gave me a pass, but they were absolutely convinced that I was there for the last hour. Okay. That is weird. That is really <laughs> yeah. strange. I mean, just and, really and when strange. I went, the, the other one, which I'm not sure how much, how much to put into it, because I figured it was just a mistake, was that uh, when I went to Fort Fest... Even though I told them I wasn't staying over, they got me a hotel room anyway. And it was, uh, I was sharing a room with Mike, um, Michael Hughes. And so when Mike got there, they told him I had already checked in. And he's like, oh, I didn't even know you were staying over. And he went up to the room. And of course, I wasn't there yet. I wasn't going to be there for a few hours. What? Strange. The hotel clerks? Huh? The hotel clerks? Yeah, they're they're the ones that told them. Yeah. I mean, to me, I look at that as they may have just been mistaken, you know? Yeah. Hmm. The school one's a little harder to throw off, and I was asleep at the time. So I'm wondering if there was some kind of astral projection type of thing going on. Have you guys had anything like that, Adam or Rob? Not that I can think of, no. Well... I have one weird thing and I don't really know what to think of this, but, uh, uh, see what my ex-wife had this, these relatives. And sometimes I think this is just mistaken identity. Okay. But these people, these, these relatives of her, these relatives of hers swore they saw me at a McDonald's. With some like three or four year old little girl, and they swore that it was me, you know. And it's just like, what the hell is that? (laughs) (laughs) That's the other you. Yeah, Yeah. I I read somewhere. I don't have a a reference for this, but there's uh, like 
only two billion genetic combinations or whatever for a human. So with there being what seven billion people out there, the odds are there's three of you walking around that are genetically identical. Yeah. Of different ages, probably. And that's yeah. people that are 100% identical. So if you get variations of that, that's going to grow exponentially, you know. Mm-hmm. There probably are, like, a just a crap ton of people that look very, very similar. Yeah. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Absolutely. I've had a couple experiences with older people meeting them and them just looking at me crazy and, like, what's your last name? Are you... Re- are you from here? Are you related to so-and-so? Or this one guy just like was looking at me like I was a ghost. And I guess I look just like his, his buddy from, you know, back whatever, 30 years ago, who's like gone now. And, uh, I was partying with this guy. So he proceeds to get, you know, real drunk by the end of the night. And he's just like looking at me crazy and just like, you are identical to my friend. And just like, he's freaking out. But that's, <laughs> that's wow. it. You know? Yeah, I really spooked this guy out, and I was just like, no, man, uh, not, you know, originally from here, and I don't know who the hell he's talking about, but <laughs> made some kind of impression. Yeah, I mean, that definitely happens. I've had people, you know, send me pictures and be like, this guy looks kind of like you, and it's like, huh, he does. Yeah. A lot of times, too, people will have, like, maybe they'll dress the same. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they'll have like the, the same kind of facial hair. You'll see that a lot. It maybe like similar. Well, a lot build. of people look similar, so you know. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, you'll see that. So that's why I think that that I don't know if there's anything like whoever that guy was with the little girl. I don't think that was my future self or somebody from a alternate an Adam <laughs> saying from an alternate dimension or anything like that. It was probably just a case of mistaken identity, but they, but they said, you know, they swore up and down that it was me, you know, they, well, if they had gone, if they had gone over and talked to you, I think that would be different, right, you know? Right, right, right. right. And but, but some of the weird, some of the really weird stories are just, you know, you just, you you'll and I think this goes into another thing I wanted to talk about. I think this is the whole Vardigar Vardiger concept. Oh yeah, but Vardoger. Vardoger, yeah. Is there a metal band called that? <laughs> you, I would I would think so. <laughs> some some black uh, Swedish metal band. But I think there is actually. <laughs> Look it up on the Encyclopedia Metallium, isn't that what it's called? Yeah, <laughs> but see, yeah it, there is. Oh uh, yeah, I just did. Yep, there what, it is. What country are they from? Uh, Norway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. It is a Norwegian word. So yeah, okay, cool, yeah. cool. Um, but they are a progressive melodic death metal band. <laughs> <laughs> of course, there we go. <laughs> but I mean, that's a whole other thing where. I think it, it, the concept is is that people will see like a relative. No, it's, walk it's here. In. Don't, don't, no, you only hear it. You only hear it. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure Vardogas. You only hear. You don't actually see it. So you'll hear somebody come in, or you'll hear something happen, and then when you go to check on it, there's nothing there. But then, like a half an hour later, that exact scene plays out uh-huh. uh, with the person like coming home or walking in or whatever, um, and it, it plays out exactly the same. Yeah, see, that sounds like something like time. Or or either a time slip or some kind of precognition. Yeah. You know, you're hearing it before it's happening. But people will also see, they'll also see someone walk in and 
they'll say hello to them or they'll pass by. And then a few minutes later, that person, same person walks through the door. Yeah. I don't think that qualifies as a Vardoger though. Yeah, more of the doppelganger thing going yeah, on. That's the, but I mean, yeah. that's still, I mean, really, really strange. Like what did the hell is going on? There? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you said you had some kind of experience one time where you heard someone and there was nothing there. That's happened many times. There was something recent. There's a lot Uh, that's happened to you. (laughs) Yeah, probably. I mean, just a few weeks ago, I was hearing odd voices outside my room, but there was no one there. Um there was one one day while I was trying to get to sleep and I kept hearing music come or not music. It, it sounded like a television on uh-huh. very quietly. And I was going, all right, that's just because a lot of times I leave a fan on. I'm going, that's just a fan making weird noises. But then I could actually detect differences. Like I would hear the television program stop and a commercial start. And I'm going, okay, no, this is actually something running. What is going on? And I got up and as soon as I got out of my bedroom, it just stopped. And I went, Okay, or it's not, and I'm just going to go back to sleep now. Have you had any experiences with hearing music that wasn't there? Uh, yes. Oh, I want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's usually so quiet that I can't quite pin it right. down. I was wrong. A Vardoger is the sight or, sound, sight or sound of a person before he arrives. So it can't? Okay. Um, the... <laughs> The, there was one time I had uh, one of my co-hosts left her cell phone at the radio station, and I totally forgot that I had grabbed it for her and tossed it in one of my bags, and I didn't empty the bag when I got home, and I went to bed, and her phone was ringing, and I'm going, oh, I'm hearing music again, and then I'm like, that's really distinct music. Where is that? Because I kept hearing it, and finally I got up, and I'm walking around the room going, no, I could still hear the music. There's actually music coming from something. I'm like, oh, her cell phone. <laughs> yeah, I had one where I was uh, I was walking on this greenway by the river, and uh, I heard like this faint music coming through the trees, and it was kind of twangy, and you know, it was like some <laughs> some ancient Celtic music or something. And I was like, what the hell is that? And then it was just the General Jackson steamboat going down the river with country <laughs> music blasting. <laughs> For like a good 30 seconds, though, I was like, whoa, what's going on? I feel like it's almost weirder for me to find the source than it is for me just to hear it and there not be no any source. Right, right. Yeah, yeah weird. And a lot of times if I'm laying in bed, I assume it's probably something hypnagogic, you know, like I'm starting to fall asleep maybe. And it's and my brain is like making patterns out of stuff. I've uh, I've had a few – I've actually had a lot of experience with making music in dreams – and then, mm. like, I wake up and I try to, and there's, there's been a couple times I, like, faintly remember part of a melody and I'm able to, like, put it on tape or something really quick. Oh, yeah. There, when I was younger, when I was, like, a teenager, it happened to me all the time. I, I kept a notebook next to me because I would get, like, my best lyrics would pop into my head as I was, like, drifting off to sleep. Yeah. And the early days, I'd be like, oh, I'll remember it tomorrow. And then, you know, yeah. you don't. So I, I, would, I would start <laughs> just, like, waking up in the middle of the night and just, like, writing shit down and... That's what you need to do. Yeah. Um, been a few times the- I'm like, damn, man, that was awesome. Oh, man, <laughs> I can't make it again. It's gone. One of the Psyche Corporation songs, I think it's the one I ended the Eric Wargo interview with, um, and the name is escaping me right now. Um, 
if I remember right, she heard that in a dream and thought it was a real song. And after searching everywhere for it, she realized the song didn't exist, so she wrote it. That's cool. Mm. And it's going to drive me nuts until I look up Morpheus. That's what it was. Yeah, Morpheus. Mm. Cool. I'll have to listen to that. I guess for people that are musically inclined, that's probably a really natural thing. Probably, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it's a lot more common. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would think so. And sometimes I get songs stuck in my head when I'm dreaming. But they're actual songs, so. That's good. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes it's annoying. <laughs> it's, all de- it's all Norwegian black metal. I don't listen to a lot of Norwegian black metal. <laughs> oh, man, you are, are you looking forward to the Lords of Chaos movie? Uh, I don't know anything about it. Oh, they're they're making actual like Hollywood adaptation of the whole uh, you know mayhem and Varg Euronymous. Story. Oh, really? Yeah, it's uh, it looks like it's going to be pretty terrible. I'm kind of scared of it, but whatever. <laughs> uh, it probably will be terrible. It. Yeah, someone had to do it eventually. So. Well, I remember right. I got a new Lords of Chaos compilation. I was wondering if the, maybe I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Yeah, that's probably the the OST man. Uh, but it was all newer bands. Okay. Hmm. I think I it was Lords of Chaos anyway. All I know is everything on it was good. Cool, cool. And what was the story there behind? Was it Burzum of Mayhem? Yeah, uh, May- Mayhem was a Norwegian second wave black metal band who uh, this young lad named Varg Vikernes, uh, uh didn't think. Uh, Euronymous, the leader of Mayhem, was hardcore enough, um, so he uh, ended up murdering him. And there's some other murders and suicides and church burnings in the whole story, you know. There's a bunch of kids up to no good. Wasn't it also because he was gay or something? No, that was one of the the members of the band murdered... someone who propositioned him in a park, I think, but yeah. Okay. That's what it was. He yeah. said he just wanted to kill someone. It wasn't really cause he was gay or anything, but just, I'm sorry. That, that compilation was servants of chaos too. Oh, okay, cool. Well, what was the whole thing? There was like a guy that killed himself or something. Like he blew his head off and yeah. Then the, uh, I believe it was a drummer for mayhem at the time. Left a note off. that said, sorry for the mess. Yeah, they took a picture of it and used it for like an album cover. Yeah, I heard about that. And ate a, ate a piece of his brain and made a necklace out of some pieces of skull. Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. The real deal. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hardcore. <laughs> but that's what you get, you know, with such a tolerant um, <laughs> society like Scandinavia. You know, the kids got to rebel and like, you know. We gotta take it a step further because it just won't work. Well, it's, you know? it's it's also I think when you're up in those those northern latitudes, it's it's there's not a lot to do sometimes. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> but you know, they in, in some cases they're pretty far north. They're they're approaching if they're not in the Arctic Circle. I can't remember. So there's a lot of sociological kind of study of that that yeah. time period, and is is mostly known in a book called Lords of Chaos by Michael Moynihan about. Uh, that whole kind of scene and yeah you know he gets into some of the kind of like i guess a Jungian view of it too and you know all these and you know they it became characterized as them like uh 
you know, getting back in touch with their Viking roots and this, you know, anti-Christianity thing. So pagan revival. It's pretty interesting as a sociological thing. I met a couple of people who were actually there. Um, and, you know, it's the, it was a bit of a, it was real, uh, um, real historical, um, uh, just a disaster though, where they burned down all those ancient stave churches. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those were beautiful. And, you know, a bunch of punk ass kids trying to be Odinist, you know, it's pretty yeah. terrible. Trying to be evil. Yeah. <laughs> Side note. The only reason I know about that is our mutual acquaintance, Dan. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dan knows all those stories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had a, we had a common friend who made sure we knew all the details in high uh. school. So. <laughs> <laughs> he fashioned his whole identity off of that and Burzum, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of that stuff I didn't get into. Like I like some black metal a lot. I like some of the modern black metal a lot where it's more atmospheric. Um, oh, you don't like any of the primitive stuff? No Dark Throne? No? Some, but I, I wouldn't go out of my way to listen to it. Like some of the later Dark Throne stuff I like. Oh, man. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We need, a, we need to change the subject before it turns into a metal argument. We'll get really serious. <laughs> I'm just, you know, like, I don't know. I'm very picky about what I listen to, and a lot of the early black metal did not get on that list. Except for except for Emperor, yeah, I really like the first Emperor demos are my favorite. But I didn't like the demos as oh, much. But I like the first. I, I like the very first album. <laughs> Wrath a lot. of the Tyrant, man. Wrath of the Tyrant. All right, we gotta <laughs> keep it moving. You guys need to make me a Spotify playlist. <laughs> something I can just click and <laughs> cult, real cult black metal is on Spotify, Rob. <laughs> Damn it! It's only on tape. We tried to. Uh... We tried to trick Luke into coming here one time to actually be in the, on the show back when he was co-host. I told him Cradle of Filth was in the studio. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> me, me and Luke really get into it over metal. Our, our tastes in metal are pretty opposed. So. He's, I, a, he's I, a very I, modern guy. Yeah. yeah. I, I like a little bit of most, I mean, there's probably most styles that I like something from, but I, I lean more toward like the old school power metal and thrash. Yeah. I like We're not thrash even power metal, more speed metal bands like Holy Terror and stuff. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, is there anything new in the field of like cryptozoology right now, Sarai, that interests you? Uh, I've never been big in cryptozoology, honestly. I mean, I've done a, quite a few shows on it at this yeah. point. Um, and I think it's interesting for what it is, but none, I don't know. None of it really stands out tremendously. Like the, the whole, uh, wilderness poltergeist idea, I think is interesting that, that I, I kind of pointed out and Josh named and, uh, then Tim made an album about, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Which, which is the concept that a lot of these people are actually encountering some sort of poltergeist rather than a, than some kind of ape um, because they usually don't see anything and what they do experience is all poltergeist phenomena. Yeah, like the like the rocks being thrown from the forest right. and things being which is stacked fu- up together and mm-hmm. yeah and and uh, vocalizations and uh, th- there's another big one and I'm trying to remember what it is. Oh, the knocking. Yeah, the knocking. Yep. And the stones, you know, when they're thrown, the stones are always warm, the same as they are in poltergeist encounters. And there seems to be something with apportation where things that are apported 
tend to be warm. So whatever's actually happening is causing heat in some way. And so, of course, a Bigfoot researcher will say, well, sure, Bigfoot was holding the stone. And I can't say that's wrong, but it's worth pointing out that it's also warm in a poltergeist case. So the the things match up one for one pretty much across the line. It's just not happening in a house. It's happening in the woods. And it would be different if the person saw a Bigfoot throw the stone. Mm-hmm. And I do believe there's a couple of counters here and there where people, you know, Bigfoot has thrown things at people. But I think more often than not, people are, are encountering this stuff without seeing any kind of Bigfoot. Right. And that is a, that is a primate attribute. There's like, yes, but I know that's really interesting. I've, I've always also thought along the lines that you've got a lot of unique cases where take like Mothman or certain mm-hmm. like, you know, lake serpents or stuff. They're like kind of one-off cases, you know, it's not a breeding population sort of a thing <laughs> where it's more, it, it comes across as more of like a, um, an energetic topo like mass mentality created kind of an entity rather than just a a creature that somehow has escaped science, you know? Well, I also suspect that it's it's entirely possible that there is an undiscovered ape out there in certain areas like the Pacific Northwest, where there is a ton of forest that is not, you know, taken over by man yet, uh, or in the Himalayas and places like that, where there's a lot of wilderness for one of these things to hide. But when you're seeing them in Florida, I mean, right. yeah, there are there are certain wild areas in Florida, but in not, I don't know that there's enough to to hide a breeding population that well. Really, no, but there's there's been orangutans captured on uh, trail cameras in Florida. Right, and that could be the case in some in some of those cases as well. But there are some areas where you get Bigfoot sightings. You're going there's not really a lot of places for them to hide. So maybe they're you know, in some cases it's an actual animal. In some cases, right. it's something mimicking that animal. Well, and, and you know, to take what you're saying a step further, in the Himalayas, they found hair that's of an unknown um, bear species. Yes. Yeah. Not that that tells us anything, unfortunately. No, Other exactly. There's something else out there we don't know about. But that's that's optimism. I mean, that that's enough to give me hope for. Like, I mean, there's obviously a large or a large mammal that science has discovered. Know about. Yeah. Yeah. In these so remote I, locations. But, and and when you look at the way paranormal phenomena mimics reality, it wouldn't be that surprising to see Bigfoot mimicked. Um, you know, you have with the UFO phenomena, there have been numerous cases where John Keel cited uh, people would see airplanes and they'd realize those airplanes aren't behaving right. They'd like glide in really quietly, slowly move around and then fly away. And he's like, that's not an airplane, but it looked to, like an airplane to everyone. Well... Looking at it this way, too, maybe another way that you could look at it is that Bigfoot has become a cultural phenomenon now. Oh, yeah. And it has been, I think, probably since, what, maybe the 50s? But especially, but not like it is now. Right, especially now where you've had all the TV shows. So I could see maybe that maybe whatever the this phenomenon is isn't mimicking an animal that's already there but mimicking something we're expecting to see well that could also be so if you got these guys that go in there and their whole purpose is to find bigfoot they're going to well either they're going to see something or b they're going to interpret whatever is happening in the context of bigfoot 
That's what I was trying to say with the more of a Tulpa esque kind right. of a yeah, element right. to it. You know, right. the Mothman prophecy could be seen the same way. You know, there's an initial sighting and then you had this explosion of sightings or, you know, Loch Ness. You know, the first sighting was like what, like the 1600s or whatever. And yeah. maybe right. they saw a, a lake sturgeon and that legend grew into something and the belief created something else or, you know, created that to happen. I, I had postulated a while ago that there may be these wandering pieces of consciousness out there just looking for a form. Right. And yeah, exactly. when we, when, but not, not so much like a tulpa that we create, but like something that is just, it's already there, but we have no process for it. So we give it its process. You know, we give it the camouflage that then takes on. Right. Well, I guess that's how I think about a tulpa. Uh, not something that's generated in the spot, but something that's trying to find a way to represent itself to us. But you could yeah. also the whole that whole egregore concept, which is uh, mm-hmm. really interesting and really complicated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, but that in and of itself, where you have this, we generate, we generate this image, we generate this topa, but something else of intelligence comes down and inhabits that form. Right. Right. You know, that, yeah. Not, I mean, that could very well be the mechanism that we're, that we're really getting towards. You're not a big f- flannel man guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I mean, the flannel man stuff is interesting. I just listened to Tim's latest show where he was talking about the jumping Frenchman, and that was really interesting. Yeah, that was I'm not sure what to make of it yet. Yeah. I think it's just a, a Pendleton marketing campaign myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, was talking, uh, he was talking about this idea of like, if you guys, I don't know, did you guys listen to that show, Strange Familiars? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, so... This is actually something that I think like uh, that would happen in like Maine, Michigan, Wisconsin, these areas called jumping Frenchman syndrome. And it was these guys that would be out in isolated in these logging communities for months, years, whatever it was, and they developed some kind of strange neurological disorder where if you told them to do something, no matter you could tell them to kill themselves, they would do but it. You would ha- you have to startle them. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. That's what it was. So if you came up behind them and poked them and went jump, they would jump. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they call them jumping of, Frenchmen. Right. Uh, and so they would pick on them by making them do things like jump off boats into the icy rivers and stuff because, <laughs> you know, they were uh-huh. bored. Um, but there, there was one case they were talking about where the foreman was kind of a jerk and he and this kid his kid was there and he was showing the kid around and he went up and he's like, Watch this and he he goes up to the guy who's cutting wood who has jumping Frenchman's disease and he pokes the guy and tells him to throw the axe. And the kid had just walked in front of him, so he immediately throws the axe and it went right through the kid's head. No. Uh killing his son, which he then turned around and killed the guy for killing his son, and I'm thinking it was your fault, you know? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So, so Tim's kind of postulating, I think, that these are, I don't know, is he, is he thinking these are spirits or these are some kind of archetype of these? Or, the or they're out man? of, or OBEs of these or people of actually experiencing yeah. this. Yeah. Which I'd have to cut across time because you don't really hear about jumping Frenchmen. So much anymore. I'm sure disorder, it still exists. Yeah. 
Yeah. Huh. I don't think you heard about it a lot at any point. It was just, I've you know, because it was just certain it. isolated no, uh, communities. Yeah, I never, I had never heard anything about that. But I'd heard the term, but I didn't know anything about it. Something I recently came across that I'd never heard of before is the um, bizarre plagues, like plagues, uh, like dancing plagues. Or laughing, oh, yeah. Yeah. laughing plagues. St. Vitus dance. Yeah. <laughs> like people like literally laughing themselves to death and it being contagious. And, and you know, that's 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 something Kundalini can do. Huh. Although I don't know that anyone's ever laughed themselves to <laughs> death from it. Um, but it is contagious where you can touch someone and spread it. Wow. Generally those were put down to like those are put down now, I think, to like mass hysteria. Right. Yeah. But you like, could be right about that, Soraya. They are, but still, none that it's not really a satisfying answer. Like, that's just so bizarre. Yeah. yeah it's, oh, yeah. It's, it's very strange. It's strange. The, the dancing plagues where, where people were just, they, they couldn't stop dancing. So priests were trying to, like, they're like, all right, let's bring in a band and give them a beat to dance to. Maybe that'll cure it. You know? <laughs> and, and, and there's been more recent things, too, where, uh, I can't remember what the girls' school one was. There was this girls' school where all the girls started having this very weird thing happen to them, and they they were putting it up to mass hysteria, but that's just because they couldn't figure out what was going on, and for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. I think it was in, like, Columbia or something. It was yeah. uh, uh, It was like a girls' school where they, they were saying that they were everybody was being possessed. Yeah, but I, really, I think it had some very uh, down-to-earth symptoms, you know? Yeah, I'm looking it up here in the... Yeah, I'm trying to look it up, too. Book of knowledge, <laughs> see if we can find it. I'm getting a dancing plague. Um, hmm. But it was, it was just a couple of years ago when it happened. Yep. What's, uh, what's your thoughts on, uh, on, on like, uh, spirit possession? You got any thoughts on that, Soraya? Uh, it's possible. I mean, it, it's, uh, I, I think there, there's, there's so much we don't understand. It's hard to really say what's going on in any of these cases. You know, we don't know for sure whether or not spirits exist. Um, and if they do, we don't know if they can actually possess us or just influence us. Um, and how much, you know, look at how much our own brain and our own mind consciousness can do to split things apart inside. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So it's, it's real hard to say what's going on in any of those cases. It's almost like you have to take a case by case view of it. And we still don't really know enough to, to be able to definitively say anything about it. It all comes down to belief after a point. Yeah. So I did find nearly 100 school children possessed by the devil have contagious visions of man in black trying to kill them. Oh, yeah, Jesus. that wasn't it. And this was <laughs> this was in Peru. Yeah, that that happened. So it's probably happened more than once. It's Johnny Cash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about sometimes with uh, demonic possession. I don't know what you what you really are dealing with. That's, yeah, and, uh, and, and again, that one's. I know we've talked about this on the show before. Yeah. I mean, it. You know, what's a demon? Are there demons? How much of it is 
psychological issues? Uh, how much of it is being made worse by what someone believes or the people around them believe? Every, you know, because take 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 poltergeist phenomena and put a deep religious bend on that, and it could get pretty nasty. Right. Everything is demons, right? That's right. Exactly. That's, uh, well, everything that's, that's, is explained neatly by demons. And that's that that power of belief again, too. You know, if if you if you believe that there's demons out there trying to get you all the time, and you have some minor issue, you could talk yourself into just about anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's when you have a belief system like that, though, it's very easy to just, you know, it's it's like um, when I was reading uh, Digital Consciousness for Jim Elvich, he's, he's talking about different ideas of how the universe started. And he addresses, like, the religious views. And he's like, well, the thing about religious views is no matter what's discovered, it's just, well, God did that. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, but that didn't really explain anything, you know? <laughs> and it's belief. And most of these things are belief. There's so much in our world that, that really does come down to belief. How, however much people want to believe that they're being scientific or whatever, data is very fluid. Um, there's very little we, we really truly know. I mean, we have ideas, and those ideas constantly change if we're open-minded, um, including in science. Although sometimes with science, it takes a little longer for new ideas to kind of break through because no one wants that change, you know? Yeah, people invested in certain ideas. That's why we're still looking for dark matter. Yeah, that's true. You know, there's, there, there's, there is a plethora of evidence for psychic ability, like more than enough to be accepted scientifically. And it's still not accepted scientifically because it doesn't fit the paradigm. However, dark matter has been pretty much routinely thrown out by most serious physicists and cosmologists because there's zero evidence for it, but they're still out there looking for it. And it's still a big word in, you know, like popular science. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's very, very true, Soraya. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a hard thing when you're dealing with this kind of, with all the kind of subjects that we talk about, because yeah, there is, uh, there is kind of like a belief system dealing with it, but then you get mm -hmm. it, you get into science as well. And you can see that there's a certain amount of belief like they have to put in their own beliefs into their science. I mean, there's, you know, there's physical testable aspects to science, but then there's also, you know, where what you just said is a good illustration of that. Like we're trying to still prove this theory that we well, can't quite prove. Everything's theoretical at some point. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. And right. there's no, you know, and the, but you the, have to <laughs> test those theories. Yeah. Right, but they've found, you know, in, in reviewing some of this stuff, they found so many of the stuff that was accepted test-wise wasn't really looked at critically and didn't wasn't actually repeatable. Uh, not everything, of course, but they, they found that what happens is if a uh, if something fits the paradigm, it's more likely to be approved if it you know shows the result they want than if it shows the result they don't, uh, and that's just human bias. It's the way we are. Um, it's bad science, they, but. Yeah, yeah, but, it's bad but science, it's, but it's, it's definitely it, the tendency. Yeah, it's 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 a human thing, and we're all human doing this. So I mean, it's it's going to happen. But there, there's also they showed in a peer review uh, thing 
Uh, they had done. They had submitted a bunch of different papers for peer review, and they found if they put a big name on it or a big university on it, it was more likely to get accepted, even if it was complete nonsense. Mm-hmm. And then they would take, and sometimes like nonsense to the point of being literal gibberish. <laughs> and then they would take papers that had been peer reviewed and accepted, and they'd resubmit them with like a unknown name on it or a very small university, and they'd get turned down. So yeah. there is a bias at work there, even with the peer review process. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's, that's not good. No, <laughs> no but again, it's, but that's it's the best, human it's, nature. It's the best system we have, though. <laughs> yeah. for, the, for the moment, yeah. Right. You know, the, it's not the scientific method that's biased. It's the scientists. Right. And no matter who you are, you're always going to be a little bit biased. The yeah. best you can do is try to be as little biased as possible. But you figure every single one of us is in a different universe, in a sense. Oh, I mean, we yeah. may be sharing it, but we don't know. No, you don't share the same memories, experiences, or views with anyone a hundred percent. Even identical twins who are raised the same are going to have a different view of reality to some degree. Yeah, I've, so we, I've often wondered about that, whether we, as individuals, we just kind of make our own universe. Right, and well, to, to interject religion back into that equation, I think that the biggest issue there is um, belief, comfortable beliefs. And by that, I mean that uh, anything that somebody's like, okay, this explains evil in the world, or this is why this happens— not because of any kind of empirical thought, but because it makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Those are the kind of mm. things you got to be kind of careful about when you're blending your um, kind of general spiritual outlook with what you're trying to figure out as far as truth and what's really going on behind the scenes, you know? Yeah. And and you have, you know, you have people, and I've, I, I have a friend who was having what sounded very much like sleep paralysis. And he would see grays like in the other room slowly moving toward him and it would freak him out. And one day he called out to Jesus to save him and they went away and it didn't happen again. Or if it did, I think he did the same thing and they went away and eventually it stopped happening. So it kind of moved him toward being more religious. And there are a lot of people out there and I'll see comments on our YouTube videos and stuff of people being like, all you have to do is invoke the name of Jesus. And I'm thinking, right. But it also works if you believe in something else and invoke someone else's name. It's not just Jesus. It's just, that's that person's experience. It's their belief system. And when they do that, it's just confirming their belief system. You know, it's like, Oh my God, I, I called out to Jesus and he saved me. He's real. This is my proof. Without realizing that, you know, other people have called out to other entities and also had the same response, which may mean that it's more a belief thing that, you know, these these things are, and especially with sleep paralysis, whereas there may be some other interaction in there because there's, it is an altered state of consciousness. A lot of it is probably completely internal. So if, you know, if my friend says, um, you know, he calls out to Jesus and these things go away, it's because at least some part of him believed that would help. Mm-hmm. Right. But to a lot of people, that's confirmation. You know, it's absolute solid confirmation. It's it's like they've done studies on prayer and they've showed that prayer helps, but it doesn't matter who you pray to. 
Yeah, and, and, and that and that. Go, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Finish. Uh, I was just going to say that that implies it's the intent behind it, not the. It's not that it's actually another entity responding. Right. Which. That's. I totally believe that. I think it's. I think belief is an incredibly powerful thing to our psyche and to to whatever energies we're interacting with. You know. Right. You know, I'm 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 okay with that. If that person, you know, if if that shores up their belief, if that stops that experience for them, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, because that's something that that person can that person can hold on to. Yeah, and, if it works, do it. Yeah, exactly. They, uh, you know, I I definitely have heard this a lot. And, you know, I don't know if you can, I don't know if that's something that you can ever like intrinsically or empirically prove that, that, that actually happens. You know, I haven't heard too many of like, I haven't personally heard too many of people like that, that call on, you know, Muhammad or Buddha or some other higher power. But well, Buddha is not really a higher power, right? Well, but it makes you think about it. It does make you think about how you know that whole our whole phenomenon of the whole alien abduction thing. It is a very much a Western phenomenon, right? That's what yes. I was going to say. And Christianity is a Western, Western is a Western mm-hmm. concept. So these these two things kind of match up together. So, well, and it could be that these those those ways of of uh, drawing upon that intention is just reaching something a little, that's more universal that uh, yeah. the intent is actually establishing your connection with something more universal. And you have all these variations of some kind of universal power, some kind of underlying organization to reality or God, whatever you want to call it. And you know, whatever your culture is, uh, whatever symbols you use can put you in touch with this, you know, something right. like that. Right. And that's entirely possible. But who knows? It's just again, you do hear more of the Jesus stories, and that's fine if it works for you. You know, at, at, at no point am I telling people that they're wrong. It's just that that's their limited experience, and other people have other experiences, which lead me, who's trying to take a wider view of this, to say that there's something more than than the simple interpretation going on here. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, especially for. Um I know for that, especially like in the East with, uh, I guess like religions that would seem more exotic to us, like Hinduism in particular. I mean, you'll, you'll, you can find a lot of people who say they, they saw these exact gods that look like the, uh, the artistic renderings of them. And, you know, Mm -hmm. get that everywhere. And, And I think our universe is primarily composed of consciousness. And that being the case, none of that surprises me. No, yeah. Because we do create it to some degree. It does yeah. morph to some degree. I mean, there's a consensus reality we share. Mm-hmm. But as I've also had experiences, there's there's times where two people can see completely different things right in front of them. Right. That's what I always try to keep in mind is that our, our perceptions are so incredibly limited. You know, we've yes. got this tiny little cone of this tiny little spectrum of the electromagnetic field that we can perceive and we pour 90% of our stock into that. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, even the phrase like I'll I'll believe it when I see it. Like, well that's ridiculous cuz 
you know, you can only perceive the tiniest percent, like less than a percent of what's really going on. So, well, that, that's like that video where they have the basketball players playing basketball and they tell you to watch the, the ball. And in the background, there's a gorilla standing there. And afterwards, they're like, did you see the gorilla? And people are like, huh? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> because even though it was right in front of you, that's not where your focus was. I mean, people, people do not realize how little our senses really pick up, how much our brain shortcuts things. Our brain yeah. filters and out it, it, more stuff than anything. Yeah. And your brain is designed to focus on things that will help you survive. So right. you're, you're actually, I mean, even in the limited stuff that you're perceiving, your brain is receiving a tinier percentage of that because it thinks everything else is not important. So we yeah, are, the, we're living literally in different realities. All that a, a magician does when they do magic is just force the subject that they're doing that to to focus on something completely different while they're doing something else behind the scenes. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all about focus. I mean, that's what it what it's all about. Mm-hmm. But no matter and, how hard you try, you're never going to see it all. So, and all and all the stuff around us doesn't look like what we see. That's our brain's imaging center, uh, putting that all that stuff together and giving us some coherent image of it. I mean, for all you know, my blue is your red, but we both identify <laughs> it as the same color, right? Because there's no way we can we can check that we're all seeing the same things. It's just that we can all interact with this energy the same way. Yeah, you remember those those silly internet things about like the the dress. What <laughs> oh. color is this dress? Yeah, is but that, but that was such a great example of that. And, yeah, but that, that's I loved those because they they pinpointed exactly how fallible <laughs> our our sense of of right. everything is. Right. It was gold and blue, by the way. <laughs> I, saw, I saw both of them, funny enough. I saw, I saw one, one version, and then after I looked at it a few more times, I, it changed. And then I couldn't see the original way. And I'm going, huh, that's really fascinating. And I, and I initially thought, is this just like a GIF? Is it changing? And I'm like taking the image apart going, nope, nope, it's not changing. All right. <laughs> right, right. And you could stand there with someone else and argue over what color it was because it looked different to both of you. It just happened to be the right of Ray that it was screwing up uh, people's senses. Yep. All, all about your perceptions. Yeah. Uh, so when people rely on their perceptions and think that what they're perceiving is the absolute truth, they're, they're woefully uh, misguided in that. That's why I maintain why? agnosticism. Yes. Yeah. And, and pretty much you have to if you want to learn anything about where we are and what what all of this is. Right. You can't you can't get stuck on one idea or you're just never going to progress any further. And I think to most of the people out there, you know, the majority of the world doesn't care. They just want to live their lives. They don't care about understanding reality or any of that stuff. But to those of us who do want to understand this, you know, it's like you you can't get stuck. We must have mercy on them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they're the ones asleep in the matrix. Not everyone wants the red pill. Yeah. And that's fine. That's not a bad thing. It's just their choice. Yeah, it's it's absolutely fine. And that's something that anyone coming down this path has got to really deal with. Yeah. And I mean, you, you, you get people who are like, we got to wake everyone up. It's like, that's never going to happen. You know? <laughs> It just isn't. It's not the way the world works. Gotta wake up the sheeple. 
Right. I mean, yeah, there are some things that people should have better awareness of, but still they don't care and you're not going to make them care. So Soraya, I know that you, um, you don't talk a lot about conspiracies on your show unless <laughs> one of us brings it up. Wake up, Sheeble! <laughs> Which Adam's about to do. <laughs> well, is, is there any particular conspiracy that you find, like conspiracy theory that you find interesting? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much, I'd say 95% certain that JFK was not killed by Oswald. Sure. Um, I think that stuff is really interesting and how it ties into people like uh, the Bush family. Um, oh, what's his name? I, I always forget it when I need it. Uh, he does the Who, What, Why website. He wrote a book called The Bush Family Jewels. Uh, and he wrote it because he was curious where Bush Sr. was on the t- at the time that JFK was assassinated. Because he heard an interview and someone asked, well, where were you when JFK was assassinated? He said, I don't remember. Uh, and he thought, well, that's weird because he was like a big politician at the time. How does he not remember? So it turns out he was in Dallas that morning. And at the time, JFK, and he, he was in Dallas with a bunch of other big name people who were kind of in control of things. Uh, and then at the time JFK was shot, he was sh- a short distance away giving a speech. And kind of like uh, his son did when 9-11 happened, Someone came up to him and said, hey, you know, the president's been shot. And he kind of just very calmly said, oh, I've just been informed that the president has been shot. I'm going to, you know, call to a close my speech now and have a seat. Like, it didn't particularly seem to shock him or anything else. He just very respectfully went and sat down. Hmm. So it wouldn't surprise me to know if he had some say in there. You know, I mean, he's been had his hands in things. For a very long time, his whole family has. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think there is a conspiracy there to guide things toward that that sort of militaristic takeover of the world. You know, I think you see it in nine. I think I think Kennedy was the first shot. I think once they got away with that, they went, "Huh, we can do whatever we want." I think they tried to kill Reagan to put Bush in power and failed. Um, I think they had some hand in 9-11. I don't know to what degree, but the facts don't add up. And what does add up is when you find out that the project for the new American century, who involved people like Bush and Cheney and Rumsfeld, wanted another 9-11, wanted a 9-11 type situation, what they called a new Pearl Harbor, so yep. that they could go in and militarize the Middle East, That's right. which is exactly the, what they did. That's right there in the Project for a New American Century report. Yep. So this, right, exactly. This is, uh, somebody brought up to me the other day, have you guys ever seen the show Adam Ruins Everything? It's not I've Adam. heard of it. Yeah, I know I've never watched about. it. Yeah. There was an episode about how conspiracy theories are dangerous. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the big thing now. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Okay, so I, I just wanted to bring up the um, the dichotomy there between kind of a, a watchdog mentality, how it's important for the population to – we're part of the checks and balances. We're supposed to be there to keep an eye on the government. We're supposed to make sure that things are progressing and moving the way we want them to. Is you know That's an important thing. As I understand it, that's how democracy is supposed to work. Yeah. Exactly. But there's also the um, feeding off paranoia, extremist, mm-hmm. 
kind of stuff going on, which is what's normally labeled a conspiracy theory, which is not the true definition of it, but that's what the the modern connotation of that word has become. Um, somewhere in there, there's there's there's, there's a there's like a there's a balance or there's a yes a middle ground yeah and I don't know I guess it's all about definitions at this point like they've redefined so many things conspiracy theory means crazy people sitting in my garage talking about <laughs> the stuff we talk about or, or whatever but you know you go, go go on the internet and look up you know, things like conspiracy theories that were proven and you'll find plenty of conspiracies that have happened over the years that have been thwarted or went all the way through. Exactly. Watergate I mean, conspiracies was a theory happen. that was a conspiracy that was true. That was our government doing nefarious stuff, you know, and mm -hmm. to think mm -hmm. that it's not still going on is ridiculous. Well, the to same, think that we shouldn't keep an eye on it is ridiculous. The but, same people, people demonizing, the conspiracy theory of the right wing right now are the ones pushing uh, their whole narrative is a conspiracy theory of Trump and Russian collusion. But I mean, yeah, it's me and Adam, all, you know, we've, we've all talked about this a lot as far as uh, it's about having a, a healthy speculative view and not necessarily, uh, you know, we're not trying to like preach a specific theory or we're not, it's not about certainty. It's about uncertainty. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so balance is important, but the other thing is people mistake t potential connections as facts. Right. So, like when I just said that that uh, Bush Senior was in Dallas that morning with a bunch of other high ranking officials, there's other stuff that goes along with that that makes it very suspicious. It doesn't prove that he had anything to do with it. Sure. But when you start looking at the Bush lineage and you see them involved in all of this stuff, it's hard to say that they're not at least in some way involved with everything that's happened to our political world since his grandfather, you know, um, when he was working for the Nazis. Um, but, you know, they're, they're – <sighs> Like there's a great video I and I Which, saved it somewhere. I mean that's that's fact, you know. Yes, that, and that, that's a fact exactly. Yeah, that's fact, and so when you have this, you have facts and you have speculation, and it's about the interaction between them. So you know you have all the speculation, but you do have some facts that really tie it in. So there was this guy who was a, an engineer, and he had put up this video because he watched the National Geographic debunking the 9-11 conspiracy theories. And one of the things they attacked was the idea that thermite could have cut these beams lower in the, in the building. And so the National Geographic special attached some thermite to a beam, set it off, it blew away from the beam, and they're like, so that's disproved. And he went, you didn't really try. So he made some thermate, which is very similar to thermite. And uh, he tried after about three or four tries, he was able to get it to burn through the beams and come up with the same results that you saw in the beams in the Twin Towers, like how they look just burned through. Same type of beams. And he's like, so this kind of proves that that's what happened. And I'm like, no, no, it doesn't. And this is where people get wrong. It proves right. it's a possibility. Exactly. And there's a big difference between proving something is possible and proving that that's what happened. Right. Yeah. Part of this, part of an aspect of all this is that we really don't know what happened. 
No, again, no, we, we, don't. we may never know what happened. And, and that's why I stay away from so much of this stuff because it's like yeah. going down a rabbit hole. I mean, I will say about 9-11 that we were lied to. I don't know to what degree. I don't know fully why. I mean, it could be anything from they knew something was going to happen and let it happen to they had their hands directly into it. But the true story, the, the true version of events that they're giving us does not hold up to scrutiny. Right. There's something fishy here that we should all be questioning. And that's, right. that's usually right. my point on a lot of these things is that we should all be looking closer at this. I don't know what it is, and I'm not telling you what to think or what to believe, but I'm just saying, uh, look at it. And, and don't mistake possibility for fact. Right. I mean, like JFK, there's there's solid evidence that, that uh, whatchamacall could not have shot Kennedy with what we know happened. You know, everything from their ridiculous magic bullet theory to the number of shots that were actually fired versus the number of shots that could have been fired from that gun don't add up. So even if Oswald was up there and there's evidence he wasn't, um, there were other shooters. There had to be to make that happen. What that doesn't tell us is who the other shooters were. Right. You know, there, there's some obvious, you know, so many people hated Kennedy for the stuff he was doing, including members of our own government. It could be any mix of things. And we're really not sure who they would have been either. Right. You know, right. Well, that's what I'm saying. We, we can guess, but uh, we, we, don't, we don't really honestly know. Yeah, I think another, know, we, another side to a lot of these things is like, you, it's easy to look at it, the situation and say, these are the people that benefited from the situation. But we don't know if they're just opportunists. Yes. Because yeah. I think most politicians probably are. Or if, you know, it was something set up by the people that were there to benefit from the situation. Right, exactly. Um, and things like the New American Century, the project for the New American Century, that's a little, I, I think that's a little stronger evidence than some other things because they literally said this is what we need to happen and a year later it happened and they were the ones who had the power to make something like that happen. But again, it doesn't say how much control they had. They, they could have just been very lucky that this happened on their watch right when they needed it to. It's some really good luck. Yeah, it well, is. I've, I've always looked as far as like nine eleven in that case that you could have like had at the very least it was allowed to happen, right? And that you know that it all that could be true. Al Qaeda hijacked those planes. The t- towers fell because of the planes and because of the fuel, and no no bombs, a building, or thermite, or any of that. But at the very least, it was allowed to happen. Yeah, it's to occur. So, I was, what is it? Building seven. seven. Building seven yeah. is what always gets me. That's the one, the one that gets a lot of people. Well, yeah. you know, I had a. Uh, I know a bunch of people who are very much believers in the in the official version of what happened. And uh, for building seven, you know, uh, I think it was Paul Kimball I was talking to actually, who believes the the story that the government told about. Uh, I had him. I, it's one of the only times I've dealt with conspiracies on the show. I had him on to talk about his his feelings on why he felt it was uh, that we were told the truth about this. And he's like, "Well, look, you know, NIST, rep- you know, put this report out about how Building Seven fell." And so then I started doing a little digging into the NIST report, and I found that the NIST NIST was not assigned to figure out how Building Seven fell. NIST was told 
Building seven fell from, you know, from office fires. Figure out how that happened. <laughs> that is not the same as telling them, figure out how the building fell. Right. So they came up with a potential explanation. It took them seven years to come up with a possible explanation how office fires could have knocked this building down in the way you see it fall. Yeah. Randomly so they, on the same day, with a, a building that's got all these ties to all these government agencies. That, that it's that's so that's such a crazy coincidence. I don't understand how that doesn't raise flags with everybody. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I just, Oakham's razor says that's not how the building fell. Right. Um, but they've at least created a possibility, you know. And if you read through the report, it's like, okay, it took you seven years to come up with this. <laughs> Well, there you go. Just like the magic bullet. I mean, when when the official story starts sounding like crazy speculation, I think that's when you really yeah. like you got to really look at it. But but you have people who don't want to believe that any of this stuff is possible. So then you end up with like these two sides, the the extreme believers and the extreme conspiracy theorists, and they're the ones you see fighting back and forth. Well, the people in the middle going, "Well, I'm not sure." Just going, "I'm going to stay out of this." Yeah. I think that's the I think that's the best tactic for them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, really, yeah. Honestly, like yep. I mean, I got to say Discord uh, I, is a powerful tool. Yeah, I'm a I'm a lot less into trying to like think I can get to the bottom of these like big geopolitical things like what happened as resolved 9/11 and and even something like the what's been going on in the Middle East since what's been going on in Syria, etc. Um, but to just to not acknowledge the the that type of world that is in high finance, military industrial complex, and the intelligence world together, I mean it's it's a murky, dark place. Right. And yeah. and to, you know, to kind of ignore that and think that things are as they seem. I mean, that's just hokey to me. That's um, that's my whole platform is yeah. like we, we have precedent. We know the government will do horrible things. Sure. If they need to. Uh, yeah, I'm not certain and, about what happens. I'm, I just have a radical disbelief in a lot of official narratives. Yeah, and, and there's just all these, all these world-changing events are just so bizarre. How can you not believe that there's something more going on than the official story? Whatever that might be. Yeah. My my favorite conspiracy theory, though, is still that, uh, well, actually, it's a tie. I have two favorite conspiracy theories. One is that uh, Morgan Freeman is actually Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> that's the first one. Oh, I think I know the second one. And the second one is that Barack Obama is the son of Hitler's daughter and Malcolm X. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wow. I haven't heard I, I, that one. <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to go with uh, Alex Jones as Mike. Yeah, Hicks I thought it was the Bill Hicks thing. Well, I mean, that's, that's a good one too. That's. <laughs> um, well, we did not expect to get all that out of you, Soraya. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm also thrown by the we didn't go to the moon type of stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we definitely went to the moon. I, I think you know. And the thing is, when you when they talk about like, uh, what was that? <laughs> shrug. Huh? Who shrugged? <clears throat> Sophia, I did. <laughs> well, you know, when they talk about what call it potentially having filmed it, it it does kind of make sense that a 
they they were not going to show us anything if anything went wrong. Yeah. So I think if we went to the moon or not, we were going to the moon. You know, if that capsule blew up halfway there, we were still going to the moon. You know, we still would have seen them land on the moon and, and go through all the motions and stuff, probably because they filmed it. They may have also not wanted the Russians to see the equipment we were using. So they may have not shown us everything that actually happened. I mean, there are very basic national secrecy type of things that would explain why yeah. some of the stuff happened that, that is supposed you know, supposedly happened, like this stuff being filmed on a soundstage. For sure. So and you think that's a possibility? I, I, I think they probably did film it. I think if they were smart, they filmed it. They were smart. Yeah. I, so I just I think I think we did go to the moon. I think we did make it there successfully. I don't think we'll ever find out totally what they found there because I think they found, probably found stuff they couldn't explain and just never mentioned it. The Nazi base. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a Nazi base. That's a good movie. That is such a good movie. <laughs> I I don't know. I I think that they. I I don't know. I just. I I honestly think that we went to the moon and they've showed us what they showed us. And I think yeah, that, it, it just. We seems may like have seen exactly. We may have seen exactly what happened. It's entirely possible. But some of the people who criticize it do make some good points. Yeah, mostly yeah, but, most of the arguments I've heard about are are about lighting issues and the way the flag yeah. moved and all that. All that's been explained. Yes. Yeah. To me, in a, a very plausible way, I, I think. I think the one the one thing that gets me is that they talk about how the astronauts move very slowly in, in weightlessness, and as we know now, that's not the case. But it's what was believed in movie sets and stuff prior to us going up there. Hmm. I guess I haven't seen that. Yeah, I, I do have a lot of faith in the the astronomical community, though. Is uh, you know, really active and in, in communicating with each other, and I, I'm not my skepticism. Um, you know, it, it ends with really thinking about how hard it would be to pull that over the astronomical community. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And there are mirrors up there. You know, you you can shoot a laser at a mirror we left on the moon. Yeah. I but I, I had a I had a friend recently saying to me, "Well, why can't we see any of the the landing sites up close?" And I'm like, because our telescopes don't do that very well. You know, I mean, we got, you can see the landing sites. You can see where they walked and stuff. It's just not super up close. I think the real question to me has always been not that we went to the moon, but why we didn't stay there. Why we didn't go back. Right. I've never right. heard a really good definitive answer on that one. It's just a I big think dusty rock. <laughs> Well, the, but there but are there, resources there, and now that's why we're looking to go back. Yeah. Um, but well, it, I, I think it, it also became bureaucracy. Yeah. You know, they didn't want to fund it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say it's not physically like viable. There was this whole like, um, and th th one of the things that really gets me is how um, conspiracy stuff is portrayed, like on social media. And this was a good case of it when they had Buzz Aldrin talking to this little girl. And like maybe he misspeaks or something, and uh, he says why we didn't go, why we didn't go back. Well, that was the question that she asked, and of course they'll edit her out asking the question, 
and you just get his answer. And it sounds like he's saying that we never actually went and like mm-hmm. everybody on social media went crazy and said like, man, we didn't go to the moon. Well, he's, he's got a lot of other interesting stuff to say about like what he's seen while he was out there. He's a big proponent of like, you know, the ETH stuff even. And yeah. 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 Have you heard of the uh, Tranquility Lodge, Soraya? No. Well, uh, Buzz Aldrin was a uh, Freemason, and there is a law, uh, 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 I guess a kind of make-believe Masonic Lodge that is open to uh, all Master Masons uh, that's based out of Texas, where he brought a Masonic apron up there. And I don't know if he did any kind of work or anything, but uh, here's the website. It says, uh, membership in Tranquility Lodge number 2000 is open to all Master Masons in Texas under the jurisdiction of the Grand Lodge of Texas, accepted free and associated Masons, or members in good standing of those Grand Lodges that are in fraternal communication with the Grand Lodge of Texas. And so there's a uh, there's actually a Masonic Moon Lodge that you can uh-huh. join. <laughs> but yeah, nice. he, he brought an apron up there and like took it back, and yep. now it's there and it's in Texas. I guess weren't all three of them Masons? Weren't all three of them? Probably. Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, you know that's usually how. Well, that's a big thing went. with uh, Richard Hoagland is that you know they were doing yeah. their Masonic rituals on the moon and all this kind of stuff. Well, it's not, it's not, and, and Hoagland has some points. I mean, you look at Jack Parsons, who's the the forefather of all this stuff, and I mean, he was an occultist. You know, a lot of the stuff he did was intentionally ritualistic, and I think some of that carried over to some of the other stuff that these people do. That's right. Yeah. So if it, and the thing is, okay, so if you're gonna, if you can launch in this window, but this right here has some like significance, like ritually. Oh yeah. Why not use that? And it's been, you know, it's almost everyone has said it, it's a, you know, transformative spiritual experience. Just viewing, oh, yeah. just yeah. viewing the earth. From oh, I'm sure. And I, and I also suspect, you know, I would not be at all surprised to find out that we do already have stuff up in space that we don't know about. Yes, I, I would agree. You know, I'm not, and, and not not in the Corey Good sort of way, but <laughs> uh huh. I, I think that our no, technology no is such <laughs> right. I think our technology is such that we probably, as far as black projects go, have the ability to get out there, get to Mars, do this stuff. And we may be already doing it without ever telling the public. We don't have any Martian super soldiers with rail guns. Right. <laughs> old Betty. <laughs> Good old Betty Lou. Betty Lou. <laughs> That's- that's a reference to a much earlier show. <laughs> um, anything you know, that you're seeing in the, the the UFO field right now that interests you, or is it just kind of drying up? Yeah, it's. I haven't seen anything new that's really struck me. Yeah. I mean, so much of it, you know. We're, we're, I'm looking at doing this UFO history show again with uh, Mike and Aaron, and I'm like, okay, other than the Corey Good stuff and the To the Star stuff, what's happened this year? And I'm sure there's things I'm just forgetting. I mean, there have been some some UFO sightings here and there, but I don't think anything revelationary has happened this year. Like anything really huge. And yeah. I could be wrong about that. I don't know. But from what I've seen, I think you're about right on that because uh, really a lot of it's been dominated by the uh, To the Stars Academy stuff. 
You know, actually, you know, I'm sure we'll bring this up on the show, but the the Project Blue Book TV series is actually pretty good. Is it? I haven't started it yet, but yeah, I just uh, I I watched the first two episodes in a row and was like, huh, this was done decently because they're, they're taking the view that the government, which was the actual view of the government, that they wanted this stuff out of the news. You know, they wanted to assure people there's nothing to it, so they'd stop talking about it and stop looking into it, and so that's why they're starting Project Blue Book and they're trying to get Hynek to kind of go along and Hynek's going, wait, no, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't all add up. And Hynek, if if I remember right, did get on board with them for a while, but then eventually kind of split from their their view of things. Yeah, he did. So so it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I know Valet was upset with him in certain certain times for going along with their, their explanations, which were clearly not reflective of what actually happened. Well, you know, a lot of people were criticizing the show because they saw that still of him looking at the alien in the vat. Is that? I haven't seen that yet. Okay. See that? <laughs> see that's what people were uh, were criticizing and say like like that that never happened to Heineck. He never saw a dead alien. Right. In a, that's what you. Well, think. I mean, it's yeah. fictionalized. <laughs> it's it's definitely fictionalized, but it's fictionalized yeah. in a way that's actually good so far. As as far as the first two episodes go, you know, like the the second episode was uh, the uh, oh yeah, things always run away when I try to think exactly what they are. Uh, the thing in West Virginia that Flatwoods monster. Th- thank you, the Flatwoods monster. Yeah. But if I remember the description of the Flatwoods monster, it came across as very mechanical. Yeah, robot like. Yeah, and in the in the TV show, it was more of a giant monster. <laughs> Uh, okay. So they 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 fictionalized it, like I said, but they're basing it on actual events. And what's kind of neat is at the end they tell you the events that they're basing that the episode was based off of. I'll have to find a way to check it out. I don't have the History Channel, so so it's, it's surprisingly good. Because when I first saw it come on, I thought this is going to be nonsense. This is uh-huh. going to suck. And then I'm like, huh, it's not bad. I kind of like it. And and that's you know and that's one of the things that skeptics will point to. It's like, well, Project Blue Book, you know, debunked all of this, and it's like, okay, so let's look at Project Blue Book. And kind of like Building Seven, uh, Project Blue Book was not there to discover what's going on with UFOs. Project Blue Book was created to prove that UFOs were not a thing to be concerned about. You know, like right. it wasn't it wasn't an open sort of thing, just just like building seven, just like NIST was told to find out how building seven collapsed due to office fire. Project Blue Book was sent out there to debunk this stuff, yeah, not they- to take an honest look at it. And what they came back with at the end wasn't that this stuff isn't real, but their official report said these things present no threat to national security. Right. Yeah, that is actually that's what all they said. Yeah, that's true. And they couldn't explain all of them, and some of it because they didn't have enough evidence, and some of it because they couldn't come up with a, any kind of rational explanation to explain the encounter. Yeah, because they really wanted to assure the public that was the main reason. Right. They wanted people to stop paying attention to this stuff. Yeah. They were a PR, basically a PR right. um, event for the Air Force. And now, I sus- and since then, I think they've just decided they'll use the UFO phenomena to hide things. Yeah, yeah. To see that—that's still my theory about the TTSA, about Tom yeah. Long and all that. 
At I, least in I, part, yeah. I know there are those that would disagree with that, but yeah, that's how I kind of feel. And, and then you had, was it last year? This might have come out last year where they said that some of the UFO sightings in the 1950s were this test craft. Yeah. Uh, the high altitude test craft. And, you know, the 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 media response was to say, well, the Air Force has confirmed that all UFO sightings in the 1950s were this test craft. And it's like, that's not what they said. They said a small percentage of these UFO sightings were very definitely this test craft, but it was like planes flying over a certain height would have been able to see this thing, and it would have just been like a glimmer way higher than they thought anything would be able to fly at that point. That's far from explaining all UFO sightings in the 1950s. Well, that's true. Yeah, I, yeah, they can't they can't explain all of them. I mean, that's that's no. impossible. Well, but not only that, it's like it's not. They weren't even the Air Force didn't say this is what all the UFO sightings were. It just said some of them were this test craft. We're, we're you know we're we're revealing this now, fifty years down the line, that hey, or seventy years down the line, whatever it is, and you know that hey, look, this this was us in these few cases. Yeah. And that just goes further to say that nowadays some of these things are are us. Yeah, I believe so too. It's really hard to look at UFO sightings nowadays and, and say that it's not some kind of top secret craft, a drone. I mean, look how creative people are getting with drones, you know? Um, it's it's really, really hard. Unless something does something so astronomically weird, you, you kind of got to always put that asterisk that it could be us. Right. We could not be even be dealing with military. You could be just like private companies out there flying yeah. these things around. Yep, absolutely. Now I think that's probably very, very likely. Well, not to pe- not to mention people intentionally dressing up drones as UFOs. Yeah, that too. That too. But if you see something very large suddenly descend and it's sitting a few feet, you know, you know, a hundred feet from you, and it's gigantic, and then suddenly it just disappears. All right, you might have something there. <laughs> that, that <laughs> Which you might. have seen. Well, the mind didn't disappear. It just kind of flew over you. No, it never flew. It just it was just on it it was just over the lake when I saw it and then it kind of slowly dropped down. Oh. But when that it, does that doesn't fit anything that would qualify as a test craft because the thing was gigantic. So it's like a USO. Sort of, but I never saw it go into the lake either because it, it went drop below the tree line, which is how I realized how big it was. Wow! And that, that 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 whole lake has a, a fault line running underneath it, and is known for UFO sightings. So, which one of the lakes is that? Uh, Cayuga, the one that has okay. uh, Ithaca at the bottom. Okay. Yeah, those lakes are huge, man. Yeah, they're big. They're long. Yeah. Uh, like like fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised. It's been awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been oh yeah, been a real pleasure. Just like having a one on one with you. Anytime. Um, yeah, absolutely. I really, I really appreciate you uh, having you having us on there as well. Oh yeah. It's oh yeah. Absolutely. Roundtables. I very much enjoy that. Oh yeah. Well, tell people where they can find Where Did the Road Go? Where did the road go.com. Easy enough. 
<laughs> yes, it is. Everything is linked there. So uh, I did, except for the Reddit, I just started a Reddit, but uh, I have to put that up on the page as well. And but yeah, everything, everything where did the road go connected is where did the road go dot com. You got Facebook group, Facebook page, YouTube yep. channel, Twitter, all that good stuff. Everywhere. And of course, if you like metal, check out yeah. thelastexit.org. Yep. Which I've got, fact, I, I got to sit in on a little bit of that. Yeah, but you were you were tired. Oh yeah, it was like you had driven a long time from early in the morning or something. He's not a metalhead either. (laughs) If you ever if you ever come out again, I'll see if I can get Spazar there. Oh yeah, awesome. Yeah, they're they're in Ithaca, right? They're from there, right? Yeah. Oh man, they're they're really good. Yes, yes, they are. Um, I was going to say something else too, and I forgot what it was. Uh. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's gone. <laughs> Slittered away. All right, Soraya. Thank you so much. Uh, stay on the line for us. Uh, we're sure. gonna close out this section. We'll be back to close out the show on Conspiracy Normal. too warm i'm gonna bring us in welcome back everybody that was awesome i love having soraya on yeah that was great man. it's been it has been way too long since we've had just soraya on the show yeah by himself yeah right i yeah i mean by far i think where did the road go is my favorite podcast yeah he can just riff on anything pretty much really religiously listen to it and like i said i mean um i've been on there a lot surfiel's been on there i think a couple of times with yeah, us on the news now yeah. so we get you on there yeah too, Rob. never been so we got who we talked to was it red pill and yeah one like time a, was you me and red pill he was ren was on there too i think he's always there pretty much yeah yeah so he's just got a revolving cast that he uh and they're all that he uses and they're all pretty much like our friends too so Brother road goes pretty much like a sister show really to us yeah you know the way i feel about it um but was there anything that you guys wanted to kind of bring up this week and he's like like um events in the world or Anything that's going on, or you know me, I'm completely unplugged. <laughs> I think that's actually a good thing, Rob. I honestly, there, there's, there's so nothing there's, out here for you. Yeah, there, there's there's so much going on that, and it, in in the the new we were talking about this at dinner, like how the what are you talking about how the the news cycle has to now keep up with social media and with the yeah. internet. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm too busy trying to figure out what's going on with the world and the universe in general. I can't focus on like this week's mad, crazy, whatever fad thing to be upset about or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's you know? exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no more there's no more fad anymore. It's like oh, the crazy new thing that's happened on the internet. It's all just like what what do we need to get upset about now? What do we need yeah. to fight over now? What what thing do we need to quibble over and pick to death? And and you know, I'm kind of referring to a certain event, but I'm not gonna say what it is. 
how many, how many like you know videos do we have to watch from several different angles to see exactly what happened? And then how much do we have one side that that that, that says something about it? And then you got the counter strike, and it's just like, and then it's over in a week, and then you move on to the next. And nothing has thing. changed, and ever. nothing has changed. Yes, and we still don't know if there's dark matter or not. We don't know if that's what I'm matter. thinking about. Yeah, that, that's why I lay it night thinking yeah. about. Right. I mean, and and, and and if you if you ignore it, then it's usually gone anyway. But you at least have somebody in your household that keeps up with the latest things that are going on in the world. Yeah, I get I get little updates <laughs> here and there. I just it's like. You know, it's it's all it's it's all it's like Kanye West. If we just all just decide to ignore him, he'll go away. He will. I promise you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Rob, you had some uh, reviews that you wanted to read. Yeah, I just last year was such a great year. We had a, so much more support from the fans. And I just Are I want to try to say like we had so much more support from the fans than this year. Is that what you're trying to? No, than previous <laughs> than previous years. Okay, like okay, it, it's I got you. you know I got it's you. really growing. I'm feeling a lot of love over the past year, and it's I really want to thank Good everyone who's reached man. out, and I really want to uh, just support the idea that if, if if you like the show, the easiest way to to help us out is just give us a review wherever you listen. Give us you know a nice five star little thing, a little blurb what you like about it. We've got so many great ones from. You know, like I'm just reading off of i, you know, the iTunes app right now. But here's Cattle Queen. Love the show. Adam and friends are funny, entertaining, and talk about stuff I like to think about. They see the world as a spiritual puzzling place and try to understand it. Hey. Exactly. Is that a five star review? Yeah. Right. Some good feel good stuff there. Yeah, and there's uh, a lot of them. Uh, Recap Kid, great podcast. I stumbled across your podcast on Spreaker. Now I find myself going back and listening to all your available shows. You guys cover a huge amount of topics. Something for everyone. Yuna Starhawk. Great show. Five stars. Yeah. Thanks, Yuna. And that costs you nothing. To- exactly. And it takes, yeah. takes 30 right. seconds. Right. And there's just, there's been so many, I, I can't read all of them over the past year, but Never ever boring. The hosts, Adam, Robin. Oh, this must have been before your time, Sir Fail. Adam, Ooh, Robin, Luke, time. do a great job interviewing guests and keeping the show fresh and relevant. They manage to take extremely curious topics and present them in a way that combine intelligence and a healthy dose of humor. Oh, here's my favorite. It's insane with a Y. Indeed super, it is. Super Indeed Trooper three three five four. Membrane. <laughs> Where's the described conspiracy normal? Brilliant, insightful, casual, easy to listen to, fresh, incisive. Even when rarely not awesome, is yet. Somehow still awesome. <laughs> All right. Yeah, just a lot of support, a lot of love, and we really appreciate it. That's that's my favorite is just to look through and see that we're reaching people and that people enjoy what we're doing. Yeah. And we haven't gotten a, any review since November. and uh, That's true. I, I, know, I know that, you know, like, you know, I'm as guilty of it as anybody, uh, but it does help us to go in and rate. And you can't actually rate without leaving a review. But it's cool to see like what people think about the show and yeah, and if, and if all that you know, it, if you have any kind of minor qualms, there's so many different ways to reach us. You can message us on Facebook, um, conspiranormal at gmail dot com. If you want to send a, a lengthy email, we we read all of it. We really take it all to heart. We do want to know what you guys think. We want to make the show better um, for you guys. You're you're the listeners. You're the ones we, we do this for. So you know, 
And there was one of those reviews that uh, ended with, where the hell is Luke? <laughs> so There was a sighting last night. There was a sighting last night. I will. We 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 want to give a Luke update. <laughs> Serfiel, um, you tell the story best. <laughs> yes, yeah, I will let Serfiel tell the story. Oh, uh, L- L- Luke, uh, L- Luke had a mystical experience last <laughs> night. Yeah. So, well, he he was showing it to you first. Luke was um, attempting to film one of these bands that we were watching last night, and you know something was going on with his camera. He had it. He had it uh, turned to the side to get the the wide view, you know, but he he wasn't seeing the same image that he was videoing uh, on the stage versus <laughs> what was on his screen, and he was like perplexed. He just started looking at us, and I was I was I was off to the side. He was talking to Adam, and like, what the hell, man? It's not the it's, it's something else. And I'm like, what? And I walk over there and look, and and he's like, man, it's a it's a different show. <laughs> and so he thought it. He thought he, he thought he was filming a different band on a different stage through space yeah. and time. Yeah, yes, so somehow yes, his cell yes. phone was maybe connected to another cell phone or his alternate <laughs> okay. alternate stage, alternate universe that was coming through. But uh, I had to point out to him that unfortunately it was just on the uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 front view. Yeah. And it was actually filming behind him. There's some lights behind him over by the bar yeah. I, that appeared that it could be a stage. Yeah, I, yeah, I will point that out, that the 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 bar in this place we were at um, is not really much of a bar. It's more of a little stand. So he's like, it's, a, that, it's a different show. So it looks like it's a stage. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, and, and there weren't as many people, obviously, by the bar as there were when the band was playing. Um, so, yeah. Good example of uh, having it. Why it's good to have a healthy level of skepticism <laughs> at all times. <laughs> but Luke looked like, it's a different show. I don't know what's going on. I don't, what, what's happening right now? <laughs> he was freaking out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was a little inebriated, but, you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, just, just slightly. <laughs> all right, Rob. Well, um, we, uh, Glad that we're here tonight in good old Studio A. Yes, sir. I think we're going to miss you the next few episodes. Yeah, I'm going to be off for a little while. I got a lot of stuff going on with the band. Cobra Kai, 80s party band. Yeah. Uh, If you're in the Nashville area, we're playing February 1st. This will be up. At Shooters in Hermitage. Yeah. And we're playing February 8th at the end downtown. Everybody knows where the end is. Come out and see us. Uh, we're, We're opening up for... A uh, band called Trace Ombres. They're a ZZ Top band. I was about to say ZZ Top album, right? Yeah, they're a ZZ Top cover band. And then headlining the show is a Thin Lizzy cover band. It's oh. going to be a great night. Shouldn't have included the uh, Journey cover band in there, too. Oh. If you'd known about them at the time. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, come out and check them out. These guys, they do a good, they do a really good job with the uh, 80s cover bands. And uh, what was it? Uh, Jeff had his guitar. Oh, Thunderstruck. Thunderstruck. Yeah. Yeah. It's an explorer. (laughs) It's pretty dope. All right. Well, um, next episode, uh, we're going to have Tim Swartz on, and we're going to be talking about one of our favorite subjects and getting a little bit more in-depth. I also want to talk with Tim a little bit about some other subjects, but the main thing we're going to talk about is Jeff the Talking Mongoose. Nice. 
and uh, I'm really looking forward to this one. Tim is also the uh, the other co-host, the other part of the uh, Tim Buckley's program um, on the KCOR radio network. So looking forward to talking to him. And uh, so we got some great shows lined up for you in the next couple, next few weeks. And uh, we are rapidly approaching episode 250. Yes, we are. And uh, starting to getting that put to, put put together. That's going to be more probably like a roundtable episode, I think. Not necessarily like in studio, but over the phone with a, with a few guys. Um, Rob, if you could tell everybody where they can find us and find our Patreon if they would like to... Uh, Support the show. Yeah, um, we've got a lot of support out there, but every little bit helps. You know, it costs a lot of money to do what we do, and we do it out of the kindness of our heart and because we love to do this. But uh, web hosting and all that, it all costs money, and we appreciate all of you guys out there. Uh, if you want to contribute to the show, you can do that at uh, patreon.com slash conspiranormal. There's different tiers. we got a lot of bonus episodes up there. There's some uh, conspiranormal wallpapers. We still have T-shirts for that tier. And if you want to help support the show, but you don't want to spend any money doing that, a great way to do that, like I said before, is just a five-star review wherever you listen. Just tell your friends about us, help share the love, spread us on social media, um, like us on Facebook, that kind of thing. It all helps. So thank you to all of you that are already supporting. Absolutely, guys. We'll join us next week. We return on Conspiranormal! the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done